fit to go with them. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings 19, if you would. 1 Kings 19, I'm going to finish up my last week's message this afternoon. I didn't get to finish it because I had too much. I would have kept you pretty late. And um, Tara was telling me this morning, she said they were late getting here because they were something about uh, they were held up by traffic uh, doing work or something. And uh, she said they came on in and said, said, she said, well, he'll be preaching long after we get there. But I told her, I said, I don't do that much anymore. Uh, I don't, uh, I've, I've learned as I got older that uh, it's best to say a lot in shorter time. And uh, I think it pretty much is taken in quicker and, and more thoughtful of it. All right, first, first Kings, the 19th chapter. I want to read the same text I read last week, uh, verses 9 through 16. He says, And he came thither unto a cave, and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This is Elijah. And, and he said, uh, He said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Now, this is the key thing right here. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. And the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in, in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altar, slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And, and the Lord said unto him, Go, return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel uh, to be king uh, over Syria, and Jehu, the son of, of Nemesheb, Shall thou anoint to be king over Israel? And Elisha, and this is probably the most devastating part of all of it, and Elisha, the son of Shaphath, of, of, of Abel Merhola, uh, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the day. Thank you for the blessings of it. 
Thank you for the time we have together here, Lord. We just pray thy blessings upon each one. We're thankful for those who came out. We're thankful for those who came back this afternoon, Lord. It's a, an opportune time for some to leave and, and, and not come back. And But, Lord, you know. You know who they are and you know what they are and, and you know what to do. And, Lord, I just pray. I'm just thankful for those who do come back. Thankful for everything, Lord, that you've given us. Thankful for uh, uh, you giving me this opportunity today to preach your word, Lord, and giving me the strength to do it and giving me uh, the unction and giving me the mind that uh, that I still have enough left that I can do these messages. Thank you for everything, Lord, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. All right, faithful Elijah. Now, we left you last week, if some of you remember, which uh, I don't know where you will or not, but or did. Uh, we left you last week when Elijah had received his call from Jehovah God. And now this call that he sent from Jehovah God was to go forth and, bef- and stand before the Lord. I'm just shortened it up uh, he said to go up to the mount but he said go forth and stand before the lord now what would it be if if something came to us and let's say your pastor was to meet you on sunday morning and said the lord wants to see you you know when i was going to school uh, uh, us boys, we got into a little bit of trouble every now and then. And, uh, you walk into your first, <coughs> first room you went into in, in the morning and the teacher who was in, in there, she'd tell me and maybe Dola Raider, and maybe another or two, she'd say the principal wants to see you all. You know, that's a, you wonder, well, what have we done now? You know you've done things, but what does he know? What does he know that we've done? Uh, but, you know, the call that Elijah got was to go and stand before the, the Lord. Lord wants to see you. Lord wants to talk to you. Lord wants to, Lord wants to show you something. Well, could it be, here's some thoughts here, could it be Elijah, like a lot of us today, had lost his standing before the Lord because of his unbelief? Because of his unbelief. You know, um, if anybody should have believed that God was going to take care of him, it should have been Elijah. All the thing that God had just brought him through. But it wasn't like that. He was complaining. He was complaining. And I tell you, complainers, God doesn't listen to complainers or doesn't like complainers. Elijah learned <coughs> that there is more than words which bring others to Christ. I hope that we will also learn this lesson. The strong wind of words, and that's what it was. It was a strong wind of words. The Bible says the Lord was not in the wind. 
There's a strong wind of words that came from Elijah. He was just duplicating. God was duplicating what it was like. Elijah's complaining and such and what it was all like. And, and, and the strong wind of words of which the Lord was not in. What about the strong wind of the earthquake? Uh, which the Lord was, or the, the strong power of the earthquake, which the Bible says the Lord was not in. And, and what about the fire of enthusiasm? It, it was not a power, a powerful enough to make, uh, men move toward the Lord. The Lord was not in it. What he's referring to here, he's not referring to, um, he's not referring to, uh, the fact that the Lord, like he did Moses, when Moses came out of the cave and stood before the Lord, he saw a burning bush, and outside that burning bush is where the Lord spoke to Moses, outside that burning bush, but there was no burning bush. There, there, there was, there was nothing, it was, it was all, it was all reprimand that was coming from the Lord as far as Elijah is concerned. Now, when Elijah heard the, vo- the words of Jehovah God, the Bible says, and here's what happened when, when, when he, he got the message from God, the, the message that God gave him, he understood what he was talking about. Let me tell you, folks, when God speaks to you, you'll understand what, he re- what he's referring to. You know, you 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 won't you won't uh, not understand it, and, and 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 Elijah understood this. What did he do? He wrapped his face in his mantle. He was so ashamed, and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, "Same thing before." What does thou hear, Elijah? The same voice that came down to Adam and Eve. The same voice that many times comes down to us. And, and even, even today. You know, why are we where we are today? Why are we here? Or why, why are we not here? You know, that same voice that comes down. And, uh, that voice came down to Elijah and, and said the same thing. Say, what doeth out here, Elijah? The terrific effect of the wind, the earthquake, and the fire had him deep into the cave. You know, he, 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 God was showing him, you know, that, that, that the, his wrath was outside there. His wrath that he had sent down was outside there, and he, he ran to the cave and hid. And he knew that that was the Lord speaking to him. He knew it was the Lord talking to him. And, and he, he knew all along that that's what it's for. You know, sometimes great things will happen to us and we seem to forget that maybe the Lord is speaking to us about something. Maybe the Lord's trying to tell us something. Maybe, maybe the Lord is, maybe, and I hate to say it like that, but maybe the Lord is trying to show us something because I've always said and I still say it today, God doesn't try to do anything. He does it. And, and certainly that's, uh, that's maybe, maybe some of the things that happens in our life that that is the Lord speaking to us, uh, as, as He does. And that's what happened to Elijah. Remember, I told you last week that this is the same cave that Moses took refuge in. Just as the sweet wooing voice of Jehovah God 
lured him from his from his um, uh, dismal hiding place with his mantle wrapped around his face because of the shame that he had before God. You know, as Brother Sam was talking there, Brother Sam was talking to me back there a few minutes ago, and he was talking about some something he saw <coughs> on the TV. But there's no shame anymore, Brother Sam. There's no shame anymore. I don't know how many of you saw, but the uh, Yale and Harvard game was disrupted for one hour because students came out on the field and and protested over, or I guess you could say they they marched over climate change. For one hour, one hour they held up the Yale. These are, these are the Yale and the Harvard students. Now, you would think they were pretty intelligent people. No, they're just as stupid as they can be. They're not as intelligent as they should be. Harvard and Yale students, I'm going to tell you, uh, these people go to Toombs County High School smarter than they are. I mean, they held up the game for one hour, and, and they tried to get them off the field, and the, and the president of, uh, of the colleges came down, of the universities came down and said, let them, they have a right to their free speech. But that's, that's where, that's where our world is. There's no shame anymore. There's no shame in nothing anymore. And, and that's, and, but, but there was shame in Elijah. There was shame in Elijah that he had spoken the way he had spoken. And what did he say? Well, we'll see that in just a minute. Well, what, what brought all this on? Listen, folks, it will be the same with us when judgment day comes. There are going to be some, maybe even me, maybe you, are going to be quite ashamed when you stand before the Lord, the judgment seat of Christ. Because he's going to bring out everything that you've ever done, every evil thought that you ever had, it's going to be brought out in that time. What was it Paul said as <coughs> Result of that, he said, knowing therefore the fear of the Lord, he said, we persuade men. That's what I'm doing today. I'm trying to persuade you that someday every one of us, I have a hard time persuading myself, but I'm going to try to persuade you today that someday you're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to be so ashamed of yourself that you're going to be like, you're going to wish you had a mantle to wrap around your head. So you wouldn't have to face it. So what's going to happen? <clears throat> Even today, men and women will heed the sweet voice of love after they have heard the thunderings and felt the burnings of the law of God. You know, the law of God says thou shalt not, but we do it. The law of God says thou shalt, but we won't do it. You know, we won't heed it. Just remember the terrible trumpet of Sinai. 
made men stand afar off. Men could not even touch the mountain. Man could not even go near the mountain. The trumpet that sounded during that day kept the men away from the mountain, said, you're not allowed to go there. There's only one person allowed to go there, and that was Moses. He was the only person that was allowed to go there. See, some of these things that Elijah faced are just exactly what Moses faced in his day. The, the voice of Calvary will constrain men and women to draw nigh with a shame-faced wrapped around the mantle of God's judgments. And it's just like I said, you know, God's going to judge every one of us. You know, yeah, I, you know, I, I have some dreams sometimes that I don't like. I had a dream last night. I was telling Rhonda about it. And, uh, I dreamed last night that we were somewhere. Sam and Kara was with us. And I don't remember who else, but I know Sam and Kara was there. And I met a group of people. They were all lined up in a hallway. And they asked me, they said, do you know anybody that can sing? I thought, well, yeah. So what I do, I went to look for Kara and I got lost. I forgot, I forgot even somebody came up to me and said, where, where is she? I said, I don't know. I done forgot. And I never did find you. So you could go sing to those people. I was going to have you go sing to those people that wanted, wanted somebody to sing for them. You say, did you ever, <coughs> did you ever go back to the people? No, God woke me up before I had to go back and tell them she wasn't coming. But at any rate, at any rate, you know, someday we're going to be wrapped there in the mantle of God's judgment. Someday when God begins to judge us, we learn that after all the things which Elijah experienced that day, he was asked again that same question. What does thou hear, Elijah? You know what God was, God knew what he was going to answer. But do you know what God would be looking for in something like that? Lord, I'm so thankful that you watched over me. I'm so thankful that I got this over with with Ahab, the king. And I'm so thankful that Jezebel uh, can't harm me. No. He didn't face God like that. Like Adam and Eve, he came out with his own explanation of why he was there. It was just his explanation why he was there. He gave, he gave the same, he, he gave the same answer with the ending as being he was afraid of that wicked woman, Jezebel, and, uh, that he was, that he was, uh, that the Lord's people, that n- n- none of them are standing for you. None of them are up, upholding you, the Lord, and, and I just want to let them know I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left, Lord, to do it. Don't, don't, don't be so stupid to tell the Lord you're the only one left to do it. Because what did the Lord, we'll see in a little while, what did the Lord tell him? He said, I'm the only one left. He said, Israel has turned from you. He said, uh, uh, all this, uh, all the, 
uh, prophets have, they've killed off all the prophets, and I'm the only one left. And of course, we will find out the answer in just a minute. So he gives the same answer. He had gained nothing. It is here where another is appointed to take his place. There you go. Lord says, well, Elijah, if you, if you can't carry out the work that I want you to do, then I'm going to appoint some, I've already got someone else lined up to take your place. Do what, what I, what I called you to originally do. Let's take heed today that God will not always strive with man. What he says, Jehovah God said in the book of, in, in the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis, my spirit will not always strive with man. God sometimes gets fed up. Do you think that? No. It's all right, just like the man told me one time. He said, if I go out here, every time I leave the church, go out here and sin and, and not come back to church and do things, if I come back, y'all have to take me back. Y'all have to, if I, if I come asking for forgiveness for some of my sin, y'all have to forgive me. I'm talking about the church. Well, here's one time when Elijah met with God and God was not pleased with him. God was not pleased. God was pleased with his faithfulness in standing up to Ahab and the, and the false prophets. But here's a time when God wasn't pleased when God, when he started complaining, 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 stop it. Stop you complaining. You might say, well, I won't say nothing else to you. That's fine. Just stop you complaining. Don't complain that your life is, you're the only one that's doing what you're doing. Don't complain that I'm the only one that does it. Nobody else will do it. You know, uh, don't complain about those things. Don't complain about what God has for you to do. Every one of you in here has something to do in this church and don't complain about it because you see others that are not doing what they should do. Oh, I've heard it so many times. I've heard it so many times that it's sickening. People say, well, nobody else will do it. Nobody else does it. It's like I told Jonathan yesterday. Jonathan came over here and Jonathan said, Papa, I'm going to clean up the yard, but he said it'll be just like this again time I get here, time people get here on Sunday. I said, Jonathan, I said, just do what you are supposed to do. I said, don't worry about Sunday today. Do what you're supposed to do. And that's all God requires of us. All God requires of us is to do what we're supposed to do and not complain about it. You don't complain about God's work. You don't complain about what God has you do. God, you expect too much out of me. I had a deacon, I didn't have a deacon, he was a deacon of the church 
that I went to when I was saved. And he had a heart attack when he was 42 years old and he died. But he didn't die after I talked to him. I went to the hospital to see him. When I walked in the room, he said, uh, he said, Paul, he said, God expects too much of me. He said, I'm the only one down at that church that does this. I'm the only one, and he was a hard worker in the church. He said, I'm the only one down here that does this. I'm the only one that does that. Nobody else will do anything down there. And you know what happened? I left. That was as on one afternoon, and I heard the next morning his wife called me up, and she said he died last night. He died last night. Don't complain about what God has for you to do. Don't complain because other people won't do anything. Don't you not sing just because other people won't sing. That's what's happening. Just you don't sing because other people won't sing. You do what God's called you to do and God will bless it tremendously and you'll never be called in to stand before God ashamed. That's Israel. Israel at one time, they hung their harps on the willows because they said, they said we cannot sing in a strange country. Well, they could sing. The prophet told them, says, there's no reason why you can't sing now. They said, well, we're in a strange country. So they hung their harps on the willows. They quit singing. Don't do that. That's a sad thing to do. God said, my spirit will not always strive with man. God doesn't mean that he will give up on on man, but that he has the power to set man uh, aside and not use him. Paul told Timothy to be careful that he didn't do something that God wouldn't use him. God said, he, Paul told Timothy, said God's going to make you fit for his service and he's going to use you. Let me tell you, folks, I've been in a ministry now 53 years. Well, I'm going on 50, it would be 53 years this coming uh, May, nearly 53 years. I've been pastoring the Lord's churches nearly 53 years. We'll be this coming August. First weekend in August. If I live, if I live that long, Lord sees fit. I'll be pastoring the Lord's churches 53 years. And let me tell you folks, I've seen a lot. I know a lot. I know what's going on in the Lord's churches. I know that God expects His children to do what he, I know he expects me to do what I, what he's called me to do. It doesn't make any difference. One person's here or one, or 100. I'm still expected to preach. I'm expected to preach. It's like one lady over at the, over at the, the eye doctors. She came in there and sat down and 
One lady asked me a question. This lady, the lady asked me a question, didn't know who I was. She just asked me a question. And uh, the other lady sitting across over her, she said, I know him. Said he'll he'll be preaching right here if you give him an opportunity. She said, I know him. She said, He'll preach right here. Just just give him an opportunity, he'll preach right here. Let me tell you folks, gotta be instant in season, out of season. You got to too. You might say, Well, that's just for preachers. No, it's not. That's not just that was not just for Timothy. Though Paul used it for Timothy, but that's not just for Timothy. You to be instant in season, out of season. When it, when you get an opportunity to sing the praises of God, sing. You get an opportunity to witness the praises of God, witness. You get an opportunity to do these things, do them. Don't say so-and-so won't do it. Don't do that. I hear that too much. I hear that too much. Listen. Well, this, um, let me say this first of all. This also gives us some thoughts concerning Hebrews 2, 3. That says, how should we escape if we neglect the great salvation? You're not going to escape the, the reprimanding of God. A rebuking of God, you're not going to escape it when you don't do what you're supposed to do. Could this be where we are today? Does God use, does God use you? Does God use me? 52, 50, going on 53 years, God used me in the ministry. But I know of preachers that God just don't use them. They may preach. They may say things. They may be able to get up and say words, but God doesn't use them. And as far as I know, God has never used them. How long has it been since you feel that God has used you do you ignore coming to the Lord's house on the Lord's day? Do you get anything out of coming to the Lord's house on the Lord's day? Oh, they're, they're complaining. I don't get nothing out of it. Half people out there, people don't come, then I don't get nothing out of it. That complaining again. That God doesn't can't, God can't stand complaining. He just can't do it. Let's move on with the life of faithful Elijah. Look at verses 15 and 16. I want to read those to you at this time. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, God had one more duty of him to do. First of all, he wanted him to anoint Hagel, Hazel, to be king over Syria. Second thing God wanted him to do, is to anoint Juhai, uh, Jehu, the son of Nemeshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And oh, here it comes. Here it comes. And Elijah, I want you to anoint Shaphath, the son of Shaphath, of Abel 
Mato Metola shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room in thy stead. He done he done whipped, he done whipped, he done whipped Elijah to whipped him whipped him good. And did Elijah complain about this? No. He went and did exactly what God told him to do. He didn't complain about this. It was even, it was very evident that Elijah had climbed down from the wall of faith and was now walking by sight. Have I not warned all of you of this negative talk about what you have done and what others have not done? Have I not warned you? God had already, God had already appointed a replacement prophet to take Elijah's place. Jehovah God answered Elijah's negative attitude with this. Elijah, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. All, all the knees which have not bowed, which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. He finally answered him. This is what's, Elijah, this is what I didn't like. I didn't like you complaining about, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one to do it. He finally answered him. That's the reason I waited to the end to give you the answer that God gave to Elijah. The reason he was replacing him is because he complained because he figured he was the only one left. All of Israel had sinned. All the prophets had been killed. And God said, you don't know what you're talking about, Elijah. You don't know what you're talking about. I've, I have, I have preserved 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed into Baal and every mouth which have not kissed him. There are 7,001. Now there's 7,000 again. There was 7,001. Elijah was at one. But now he's not, he's not with. He's only 7,000 of them. He said, I've got them left. Let me tell you, folks, this is to teach us. What is happening today? What is happening today? What is happening today? Are there not some who would kiss the Pope if it would advance them in the middle, in, in the ministry or in view of other men? They would kiss the Pope. There's people in churches, in land, and, and, and sovereign grace Baptist churches that would kiss the Pope to get better out on, out in, out in the world. Sad to say, but it's happening. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference where you go to church. It does make a difference. You're a member of Landmark Baptist Church, you should be in Landmark Baptist Church. You shouldn't be out there in some Armenian church. That's the same as kissing the Pope as far as I'm concerned. We got preachers today, and he was talking about prophets here. But we've got preachers today that would kiss the Pope if it would advance their, themselves. 
I'm not mad, I'm just acting like it. I know there are those who would fellowship with any to keep the peace. I hope there is not a one of you who would do that. But sometimes I get very concerned. May God bless you today. All right, let's form a circle and let's close in prayer circle.